0: Good morning. Welcome to Faith Christian Reform Church on this fall Sunday. It is not the brightest day in the world outside. It is not the most wonderful year any of us have ever had. And yet the Lord is good. He is gracious and compassionate. He is faithful and he cares for us. And so we gather in worship to hear his word and to be encouraged. We're continuing to worship twice on Sundays, 9.30 Sunday morning, here and via live stream of course. Tonight we're going to be meeting at 5 o'clock with the weather, the cold, and the rain. We're going to plan to meet in the fellowship hall instead of outside. And then next Sunday we're going to go back to our usual time of meeting at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sunday evenings. This morning, I'm beginning a new series on the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to, this week and the next two weeks, work through this book, just the highlights of that fifth book of the Old Testament, looking at how we respond when we are at the crossroads in our lives. Uh, Some updates on some new restrictions in uh, Illinois, as you've probably heard. Um, We haven't heard any new worship-specific guidelines. Our reopening team is keeping an eye on things. Uh, But at this point, we're in compliance with masks, social distancing, limitations on capacity, all of that. Um, So we are continuing as we are, but the reopening team is keeping an eye on things. Um, We encourage you, whether you're here or whether you're live streaming, whatever you feel comfortable with, we ask that you do continue to pay attention to the Lord, that you continue to listen to His Word, that you continue to somehow or other be present with His people. We, uh, we have a congregational meeting coming up next week, November 1. This was delayed due to the pandemic all the way since May. It was delayed a little bit more because Mark Van Damme passed away. So we ask that you keep Mark's family and friends in prayer in this hard time. We also ask if you're a member of the congregation that you, uh, that you take a look at the bulletin, submit um, votes for elders and deacons and that you, if you feel comfortable, be present next week. Otherwise, we do have a Zoom option for you. We have a call to worship this morning. The Lord has made us. He gathers us. He calls us in. So let's read this responsively. I'll begin. You respond. The earth is the Lord's, for He made it. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The mercy of the Lord is everlasting. Lord, open our lips. And please stand to receive God's greeting as we begin worship. The Lord Jesus Christ greets us with these words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And let's respond to God's greeting by praising Him alone as our Lord and our Savior. Let's remain standing to sing. As we often do, this morning we'll be reading or reciting God's will for our lives with the Ten Commandments. And there's, there's two places in the Old Testament where the Lord gives us the Ten Commandments. One of them is Exodus 20. That's the one that we often read and perhaps the more well-known one. And in, in Exodus 20, the Lord focuses on who He is as our Creator. He is the Lord God who made us. In Deuteronomy 5, the Lord gives us the Ten Commandments again, and it's the same Ten Commandments, but they're framed a little bit differently. In Deuteronomy 10, the Lord speaks to us as the God who redeems us, the God who delivers us. And since we're going to be working through the t- the. Book of Deuteronomy, the next few weeks, I thought it would be a good and helpful thing for us to read the Ten Commandments version that we find in Deuteronomy chapter 5 as a way to begin to open this book up to us. We'll be reading those Ten Commandments. I set this reading up so I'll introduce it, and then all of you will read the part of Moses. And then I'll do the Lord's part where he gives us the Ten Commandments. So it'll all be on the screen. You can follow along. It's a little bigger chunks of reading than we sometimes do for this. But, but you read as Moses and I'll read as the Lord, the God who delivers us. So let's together hear God's will for our lives. Moses summoned all Israel and said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long, and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not set your desire on your neighbor's house or land, his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything. That belongs to your neighbor. We sometimes hear God's will for our lives as a burden, as something that, that we have to do. But as Deuteronomy 5 shows us, these Ten Commandments are actually a gift. They're a gift of the Lord guiding us in the best way to live. And so in the spirit of receiving God's command and God's will for our lives as a gift, let's together stand and we'll sing the song, God has spoken by His prophets, praising the Lord for the word that He has given to us, His people. Let's stand to sing. We're going to go to our Heavenly Father in prayer in just a moment. Uh, First, a brief update on Chuck Smith. Uh, Chuck is still at Elmhurst Hospital. He has a pretty serious pneumonia, struggling a bit. So please keep Chuck and Marilyn in your prayers. Let's now go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father, our Savior, our Comforter, we are grateful that you lead and you guide us. We are grateful for your word that shines a light on our path. And yet at the same time, we confess that we often walk in our own paths. We ignore you, we disobey you, we sin against you all the time. And down deep, we know that if you kept track of all the sins that we commit, we would never be able to stand before you. And so we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the gift of salvation given to us through the work of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the gift of faith that you work in us. We're grateful that you work in us to bring us to you and to keep us standing fast in you. Even now in the times that we break your commands and disobey your will, we we know that you are always our gracious and compassionate God. And Father, we are always, always in need of your help. We need your help to live good and righteous lives. We need your help to live hopeful lives. Our lives are so full of trouble and pain. We are broken, lost, and hurt, and it can be so hard to keep going. We ask that you make our paths straight and that you take away our pain and our suffering. We pray this morning for Ron Vandernald in the midst of a series of surgeries, We pray that you enable doctors to address the health issues he's having and to bring him back to better health. We pray too for Chuck Smith as he continues to battle pneumonia and also as he faces some other ongoing health issues. Lord, we pray that you give him strength and endurance and we pray too that you provide energy and comfort for Marilyn as she tries to help him through this difficult time. Father, we think of Mark and of Thea's families, as they've laid loved ones to rest recently, we pray that you continue to give them your grace, your comfort, and your peace. We ask that you grant healing to all those who are battling COVID and to all of us as we face the difficulties of this time. Lord, we are grateful for every day that you give us, and and we are grateful that you walk with us when the days are hard and long. Father, renew our spirits, renew our minds, renew our bodies. Begin to work your resurrection life in us even now. And Father, we pray that you work renewal in this world too. As we look around, we we see governments that deny your existence and disobey your will. We see politicians who continually claim power for themselves and, and not for the common good. We see people fighting and killing each other over power and wealth and and sometimes over nothing at all. We see the wealthy grow more and more wealthy, and we see the poor desperately seek the resources that they need just to survive. We see people, the old and the young, discarded as if they were not human beings and if they're alive, as if their lives were not worth anything. There is no end to the troubles we see in this world. But even now, we pray that you bring an end to evil. Bring justice on those who willfully, unrepentantly hurt and oppress others. Work for transformation in those who want to do better but don't know how. Father, use us to do good works, to bring glory to you, because you are our gracious, loving Lord and our Heavenly Father. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. And now as we prepare to hear God's Word, we're going to sing a song, Hear, O Lord, and Answer. And let's sing this song as our prayer of illumination, our prayer of preparation, that that the Lord would hear our prayers and that He would answer with His Word, speaking to each of our lives and our hearts. Let's remain seated to sing and sing this song. We'll sing it through twice as a prayer to the Lord to hear us and to answer us according to His grace and His love. So we're beginning a three-part series on the book of Deuteronomy this morning. A couple weeks ago, we preached, or I preached through the book of Numbers, which is the fourth book in the Bible, and now we've come to the fifth book in the Bible, Deuteronomy. And I'm calling this sermon series, Words at the Crossroads. The people throughout the first, couple, few, first few books of the Bible, we've seen them in Egypt, The Lord has delivered them out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, as we read a little bit ago when we read the Ten Commandments. They've gone through the wilderness, and as we saw in the book of Numbers, the people came to the very edge of the promised land, and then they made it really clear that they weren't ready to go in yet. And so the Lord brought them back into the wilderness for another 40 years of wandering in the desert, being with the Lord, learning how to be His people And now we come to the book of Deuteronomy, and the people again are on the very edge of the promised land. They're they're at the crossroads right before they go into the land, and then we have this this book, 30-some chapters of the book of Deuteronomy, and and there's two ways that people primarily understand this book. Each of them are helpful in their own respects. One way is to say that they get to the edge of the promised land, and, and Moses gives the people a piece of his mind. Moses gives a series of talks, a series of sermons, a series of final words, of instructions to the people. You're at the crossroads. You're about to enter the promised land. Hear these words. And then there's another way to understand this book that I think is even more helpful, and that's, that's to understand this book as a long covenant. In this book, as the people are at the crossroads, the Lord comes with His words and with His word. And and he makes promises to the people. He instructs them. He tells them that we are going to live together and this is what our covenant relationship is going to look like. So as we work through this book, we can think of it in one way as a series of sermons and instructions, in another way as a, as a way of the Lord confirming the relationship that he has with his people. These are words at the crossroads of life. And so they're significant for us too. We're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to read the whole chapter this morning. Hear these words from the Lord as we stand at the crossroads of our lives. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live, by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not test the Lord your God as you did at Massah. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers, thrusting out all your enemies before you as the Lord said." And in the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders, great and terrible upon Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there, to bring us in and to give us the land that he promised on oath to our forefathers. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Hear and receive the word of the Lord for us. So Station 11 is a book, it was written a few years ago, but it's written about a global pandemic. But it's written about a pandemic that far, far exceeds what we're in the middle of. It's it's fiction, just to be clear. But there's this Georgian flu that rises up and kills 99.9% of the world's population, and civilization totally falls apart. The world goes back to pre-modern, pre-electricity, pre-just about everything about our lives now. And then little bit by little bit, people gather in small communities and small settlements and life continues, but in a very different shape. And 15 years or so after this flu has devastated the world, there's, there's this group of families, maybe 25 or 30 families that have gathered and they live in this old hotel that they've taken over and, and they farm and they, you know, they, they live. And they've managed to start up a school. One of the people who used to be a school teacher is teaching the children. And, and one day at night, some parents are sitting out talking by the river and, and Jeevan and Daria and Michael are, are talking about school and what they're teaching their kids and how things are going. And then, then Michael says, you know, you know, I'm wondering these days why we, even, why we even tell our kids the old stories. Why do we even talk to them about antibiotics and computers and cell phones and cars, all of that, all of that's a life they're, they're never going to experience. And You can just see their eyes glaze over when they hear about it. And Daria says, yeah, I guess, but, but isn't it good for them to know? I mean, those, those things were, were significant parts of our lives. The world used to be different, and, and shouldn't we pass those stories on? And they sit in silence for a minute, and they think back to their lives before and they're alive now. And then after a while, Michael says, I, I just don't know. Maybe it's time for us to stop telling these crazy stories. Maybe it's time for us to just let go. And then there's another pause. And then Daria says, I don't want to let go. I don't want to let go. When we, when we gather as believers, when we talk about this old book and these old stories, when we look at the world around us and how much it's changing and how much it's changed, you know, there are times we might legitimately ask the question, and I think all of us have asked the question, why do we keep doing this? Why do we keep paying attention to these old stories? Why do we keep showing up to church? Why, when there is a pandemic going on, when life is so hard and so difficult, why does it make sense to keep, to keep following the Lord? Why does it make sense to keep gathering as a church? Why does it make sense to, to get up early on Sunday morning to, to come here or to watch a church service or even to watch it later? Why, why are we doing this? Should we just let go? why? Well, that's, that's one of the questions that Deuteronomy exists to answer. Why do we keep doing this? We're going to work through that answer. We're going to work through that question and how we respond to it in, in three ways this morning. I'm just going to have one point for this sermon, but we're going to reflect on it with three different emphases. So you'll see it on the screen, and, and each point will have some different words, underlined, bold, italicized, so, so we can focus on different parts of this answer. But basically, why do we gather? Why are we here? Why do we keep paying attention to the Lord? And the answer to that question is that we follow because the Lord delivers us. We follow because the Lord delivers us. And we saw that in Deuteronomy 5 in that version of the Ten Commandments that we read earlier. And we saw it in this text in Deuteronomy 6 too. It's, it's this perpetual theme in Deuteronomy. We follow the Lord because He saves us. And over and over again, Deuteronomy rehearses how the Lord delivered His people from He delivered them from Egypt. They were slaves. Pharaoh was working them to death. They were were under the thumb of foreign powers and foreign gods. And the Lord came in, and with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and signs and wonders, the Lord delivered His people from that darkness. He brought them out. And then Deuteronomy also looks forward, and it says, The Lord delivered us not just from, but the Lord delivered us to. In this text, we aren't quite there yet, but, but the Lord delivered us to the promised land, to this land that has, that has all kinds of good things, that have cities and, and houses that you didn't build, but that you get to live in, that have crops that you didn't plant, but that you get to eat, that have all of these things that, that you did not make and that you did not create and that you are not responsible for, but that the Lord has provided for you. Look at how the Lord delivers you, says this text. He brought you out of Egypt. He brought you through the wilderness and reshaped who you were. He brings you into the land flowing with milk and honey of this this land of abundance and joy and, and provision. Look at how the Lord delivers His people. And this text focuses particularly on that point in salvation history, but it's a story that we share with all of God's people. It's a story that the Bible tells us in all kinds of different ways, but but really it's one big story, the story of how the Lord delivers us. And so when we hear that story, when we gather week after week, when when we do our devotions for ourselves, again and again the Lord is speaking to us and saying, I've delivered you. I've delivered you. I've delivered you. Through Jesus Christ, I brought you out of darkness into my light. And look at how wonderful that is. This is all of our story. And because this is our story, it it sets us free. It delivers us from, from both the fears and the frustrations that we might experience in the midst of this pandemic. It delivers us from being afraid of, of what our culture might do or where it might go or what it might demand of us. It delivers us from, from being, being certain and set that life cannot possibly be okay unless the right political candidate gets elected in a couple weeks. The Lord's deliverance of us means that we can look at any trouble in this world and we can persevere. Life maybe in life is very very hard but we keep on following the lord because he has delivered us from slavery and trouble and earlier in the week when i put when i put this phrase together i had we follow because the lord delivered us i made it past tense but But as the week went on and I dug deeper into this text and I thought about the whole story of the Bible, I thought, no, it needs to be present tense because the Lord is always delivering us in ways that we don't even realize the Lord is always at work in our lives, giving us His peace and His comfort and transforming us. And so if you are feeling anxious these days, if you are afraid, if you are angry, if you are unsettled, look the Lord because he is delivering us this text invites us to to really focus on the word of the Lord and and I want to invite you this week and the weeks ahead to find to find some new and fresh ways to do that maybe you actually want to take some verses from Deuteronomy 6 or or some other places in the Bible we'll We'll close out this service with the traditional blessing from Numbers 6. And that might be another text to, to maybe print out and actually put above your front door. So every day when you step out, you, you read that the Lord is blessing and taking care of you and giving you his peace. Maybe you want to print it out and actually put it on the dashboard of your car under the speedometer. So as you're driving to work or, or as you're going to the grocery store, you're reminded that the Lord is our God and that he is taking care of us. Maybe if you're one of those people who lays awake at night, you should print off a poster and and put it on your bedroom ceiling and be reminded that the Lord is our God and He delivers us. The Lord delivers us. But there's there's a temptation there when we think of the Lord delivering us to leave it in the Lord's hands and to, to kind of park that at the back of our lives, and say, yeah, I know the Lord delivers me, and and so I just kind of get on with life. But Deuteronomy wants this to be our whole lives, and so it urges us, and it tells us to, to follow, and we follow the Lord because the Lord delivers us. It's not enough to just go through the motions. We need to be laser-focused in on what the Lord commands us and what the Lord gives us. I heard a story a, a few years ago. I was talking to a lady who'd recently gotten a ticket, and she was just driving along one day on the way home from work, doing her usual thing, and she was turning from one major road on to another, and it was a green light, so she kind of checked on the upcoming traffic, looked okay. So she turned left and kept going. And after a couple seconds, she realized a police car was behind her with its lights on, so she, she sort of slid over to the right-hand lane, as people usually do, and kind of just kept poking along and thinking, well, he can slide by me, I'll get back in the left-hand lane and, and head for home. And she kind of kept poking along for a block and thought, he's not passing me, why isn't he passing me? Does he not realize I'm getting out of his way? So she pulls over a little more, goes a little slower. Another block or so, he's still not passing me, what, what's going on here? Another block or so, and she realizes... Oh, he's pulling me over. So she finally stops, and, and the police officer comes up, and by this point, he thinks this is trouble, so he comes up with his hand on the gun, and, and he's pretty ticked off, because he's just followed her for three blocks of her just poking along, and, and she says, well, wh- what'd you pull me over for? You went through a red light. No, I didn't. The light was green. And it turns out that just earlier that week, they'd put up a new stoplight, and now there was an arrow at that intersection and she turned left through a red arrow right in front of a police car and then she'd gone for three blocks with this guy right behind her so he was pretty unhappy and and she got the ticket not a warning but she just autopiloted that was what she did on the way home from work every day for years and years so she just kind of followed her routine and too often too often we slip into just routines and sometimes they're good routines, maybe they're not so good, but, but we aren't really focused on following the Lord, we're just kind of doing what we do. And in all of our lives, we kind of just go through our usual rhythms, and, and even with our worship, with our devotions, with, with what we do specifically focused on the Lord, we can get into ruts that oh, we just do what we do, and it doesn't really get into our hearts or really get into our minds or really get into our souls and, and give us what we need to keep on following. We follow the Lord intentionally, deeply, seriously, not, not just out of habit or out of custom. And this text gives several warnings to the Israelites that, that when you enter the land, there will be these distractions. There will be these things that might make your service to the Lord just rote habit or, or even make you stop following the Lord. And one of the things it warns against is, is wealth. When you come into this land and, and you enjoy the cities and the houses that you didn't build and, and you have these vineyards and these crops that some of them you didn't even plant, well, are you going to go on autopilot? Are you going to sit back and think, yeah, I'll serve the Lord every now and then, but I, I don't really need him. Life's pretty good. Deuteronomy warns us against wealth keeping us from following the Lord. And then Deuteronomy goes on, and this is verses kind of 10 to 16 if you want to check it out later. And then Deuteronomy goes on and it says, And when you see the peoples around you worshiping their gods, don't be distracted by that. Don't follow other gods. Because you know the other gods, sometimes their worship services were more fun. Sometimes they demanded less from you. But don't be distracted by that. Keep on following, says Deuteronomy. And then Deuteronomy says, maybe trouble. Maybe trouble in your life. Maybe when you don't have quite enough food or or the crops aren't quite as good as you'd like or you have a little bit of whatever kind of trouble in your life. Maybe that's going to distract you and you're going to stop following the Lord then. But keep on following. So Deuteronomy says you might... Well, you might forget the Lord if life is good. You might desert the Lord if other gods look better. You might doubt the Lord if your life is hard. And the only antidote to those things is to keep yourself in the Lord's commandments, to keep on loving and obeying, to keep on following with all you've got. And for us too, when life is going well, we can sit back and think we don't need the Lord. When other people have easier lives, we might think, boy, that that looks good. When life is hard, we might think, God, why are you allowing this? Where are you? What's going on? Where are you distracted? Where are you autopiloting instead of really following the Lord? And if you can't think of anywhere off the top of your head, I'd invite you to later this week or later today, go back and read through Deuteronomy 5 and pay attention to each of the Ten Commandments and, and think if there's some particular commandment that that maybe you haven't been spot on with. I think all of us will probably find at least one. But think of, a, think of a way that maybe you aren't keeping the Lord's ways in your hearts as well as you can. And then just think about how you can, you can take a step or two forward to keep on following the Lord. We follow the Lord because the Lord delivers us. And for our, our third and last emphasis in this sentence, we follow the Lord... Because the Lord delivers us. This text is deeply concerned about the faith being transmitted on from generation to generation. And I think that's a special challenge for us these days because we are probably the most generationally separated and stratified society in history. Let me give you what might be a very typical situation around the family living room, if everyone is even in the living room. Mom is on her phone looking up recipes on Facebook, scrolling through her feed and thinking about, oh, I could make that, that'd be great. Dad is on Twitter and he's in a flame war with some idiot who thinks that Trubisky's a better option than Foles for the bears this year. Emily's home from college and she's taking an Instagram of the latte that she just made that looks great. Timmy, Timmy, he's on Snapchat plotting with his friends what they're going to get up to later in the evening. Emily is hiding off in the corner planning her next TikTok video, and she's hiding because her parents don't know she has TikTok and that she's got a bunch of followers. Jimmy's on the computer watching YouTube about how to defeat the next boss in his video game. They're all there, but they aren't paying any attention to each other. And often, and hopefully that doesn't describe your family too closely, but But often in our lives these days, as families, as friends, as communities, as churches, we are all on our own wavelength. We don't have shared stories. We don't have shared practices like people used to. And and in some ways, that's great because it allows each of us to be kind of who we are and who we want to be. But in some ways, that's toxic and destructive because it leaves us isolated and it leaves us without things to hold on to when it comes to our faith, Deuteronomy wants us to be a people with a history and a people who are a present community that is is so tight we can't imagine living without each other other. and a people who see a future where we all live together and live with the Lord forever. Verse 20 starts out with a child asking, asking his dad, his parents, basically, why do we do this? What's the reason behind these commands? Why do we keep on doing these crazy things? Why are we doing the worship thing and the sacrifice thing? And what, what are we doing this for? And by the way, the child wouldn't be asking that unless the family was doing those things. So this has to start with following the Lord. But the child asks, what commands did the Lord give you? What commands did the Lord give you that, 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 that you're following? And the wise parent, as instructed, responds not with a you and me, or, or not with a me, but with an us. Not, well, the Lord, the Lord gave this command to me, but, but the Lord brought us out. Why do we do these things? Because we were slaves, and the Lord brought us out. And you may have noticed, as I read the last five verses or so of that chapter, We, us, are. We, us, are. We, us, are. Over and over again in the explanation, this parent says, we, us, are. We were delivered by the Lord. The Lord brought us out. This is our community. These are our practices. The child asks, what are you up to? Why do you do this? Why do we follow these laws? And the parent responds with, this is our story. This is our life. This is where we find hope and meaning and joy and peace. And we can still do that today when when we ask each other, when, when our children ask us or when our parents ask us, why do we do this? Why are we following when life is so hard? Well, we were in darkness. We were hopeless. Life was without direction. We didn't know where to go. And the Lord came and He brought us out of that. And He freed us from the need to be a slave to anything in this world. And and look at the life He's given us. Look at each day that He's given us. Look at the community He's given us to be part of. And look at the hope He's given us that, that we will be with Him forever, that He will renew and restore all things and that He is with us even now. What a story we have as God's people. We follow the Lord because He delivers us. Now there are some answers to this question that we're we're often tempted to give that are true but I think inadequate. We might say, well we do this because I say so. We do this because the church says so. We do this because this is what God's people have always done. And all of those are good and true answers and there are a time and a place for them. But when people ask us, when we ask each other, why are we still doing this? That's an opportunity to rehearse the gospel. That's an opportunity for us not to focus on some of the particular practices we're called to as God's people, but to focus on how Jesus Christ has saved us and redeemed us, and and on how that changes everything. When you have those moments, when you want to throw up your hands and say, maybe we need to stop telling these crazy stories. Maybe we just need to let go. Well, then maybe maybe it's time to rehearse God's work and to hear the gospel again. And we need, as individuals, as families, as a church, to do that intentionally. This doesn't happen automatically. So as, as families... You know, we have a couple pages in the bulletin this week. We'll have them in the next couple weeks as we continue this, uh, this series on Deuteronomy. But there's a couple pages in the bulletin that are titled Family Faith Formation Resources. We had a few people from church put together some ideas of favorite Bible story books, favorite, favorite online resources, favorite ways to help us keep hearing the story of the Bible and to get that into our, into our heads and into our hearts. So I encourage you, especially if you've got kids at home, to take a look at that. But even if you don't, take a look at those resources and think about how you as a family can be together focusing on the good news of God. We need to be reminding ourselves, we need to be always rehearsing and always asking and answering that question, why do we keep doing this? Because it's so easy to autopilot. Let me wrap up today with a little bit of a a thought experiment for you. I want you first, we'll start with this one. I want you first to picture life a few months from now with everything having gone right. All the right candidates get elected in November. The pandemic is over. we fixed it. The economy is back on track. Everything is great. And we gather here to worship. Let's just say a year from now. Now are what you are doing right now for faith formation, are the ways that you are following the Lord right now, preparing you a year from now to be stronger in your faith? If everything goes well for you in the next year, where will you be with the Lord? Will you be closer to Him? Or will you have kind of tuned out and stepped away? Now let me give you the other part of this this thought experiment. Imagine that everything goes terribly. Imagine that all the wrong candidates get elected. Imagine that the pandemic just hangs on and hangs on and hangs on. Imagine that that we hit another really rough rough economic stretch. Imagine that the culture takes a hard turn against Christianity and, and things just keep on getting rougher and rougher for us as people of faith. So we gather here a year from now and things are terrible. The faith practices that you are doing right now, the ways that you are paying attention to the Lord, are they preparing you in that situation, a year from now when life looks really rough for us as believers, is what you're doing right now preparing you to be strong in the Lord and to keep on following Him if life goes that way? What we do now, what we do day by day matters. So why why do we keep doing this? Why do we gather as a church? Why do we follow the Lord? Well, we don't do it out of legalism or out of habit, but we do it because this is where we find life. We follow because the Lord delivers us. Hear, O people of faith, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Follow the Lord because the Lord delivers us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have delivered, that you are delivering, and that you will deliver your people. Father, we give you thanks for your work delivering your people from Egypt, delivering your people from from exile, delivering your people from all kinds of troubles through the centuries and, and for delivering all of us from sin. Lord, we pray that you help all of us to own this story as our story. Help us as a church to, to be a community of faith that looks back and looks around and looks forward and confidently proclaims that we will follow you because you are the Lord our God and we love you with everything we have. Father, We need your blessing. We need your help. We need your grace. We need your comfort to do this. And so we pray that you lead and guide and enable us to follow and obey you. Amen. We're going to respond by singing Go My Children With My Blessing. Let's stand to sing and to receive this blessing from the Lord. There we go. The next couple Sunday mornings will be continuing in the book of Deuteronomy, so please return for that or tune in. Tonight we're going to gather at 5 o'clock in the fellowship hall. We'll be reflecting on a prayer from the book of Kings, from King Solomon. Usually lately we've been exiting out the front doors, but with the cold and the rain we'll just exit out the doors over there. So as you go out, just kind of give yourselves a little bit of distance, but we'll head out that way this morning. And now, for today, for always, receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen.